G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This is Sunday Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. It's going to be a good day today and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today that uh, I get to have and you get to be part of with a very special and uniquely different guest, than uh, different to any guest I've ever had on this program and that is Pastor Solomon Musegi. I've probably got that wrong, haven't I? From uh, Uganda. Musege. I knew I would get that wrong. Uh, <laughs> from Uganda, uh, here in Australia uh, with Feed the Hungry. Of course, we had a wonderful day on Thursday with Takeaway Hunger Day. Uh, and you've got a great story to tell as well. So thank you so much for being part of Sunday Morning Together. Thank you. Thank you so much, Fair. And uh, Pastor Solomon is in our, our Melbourne studios uh, right now. But um, we'll get to your story very soon in more detail. But just paint a little picture about uh, you know, your family situation and what life is like in Uganda. Um, life is uh, different for every individual because uh, in Uganda we have two classes, the rich and the poor. Mm-hmm. You guys here have the middle class. And uh, um, I was born in a, a privileged family where my dad was uh, an agricultural officer and we had our own farms, tea farms. So got the opportunity to go to the best of the schools mm-hmm. and uh, life was good until I came to know the Lord and uh, I was, I think, in high school. And then going back home, uh, I led a prayer to bless the food in a way that my dad didn't expect because we used to do it differently. And then when I was still praying, I had a, a big slap on my cheek mm. uh, saying, who taught you that? Who changed you from our usual way of prayer into this? And uh, that's when life became hard. And uh, he even kicked me out of home. Wow. So, but I was born out of wedlock. Then I went to live with my mom, uh, who was married to a pastor. Yeah. That's where life became the opposite of what I knew. Hunger uh, for the first time. Luck. And I, I remember they would put food on something like a tray, round thing. And all of us would sit in a circle and you eat together. I was used to eating from my own plate uh, at my pace. And these guys could eat. It's like they had refrigerators in their mouth. <laughs> By the time I get to see, all the food was gone. <laughs> and, uh, oh, I, that, that's when I started realizing that uh, there was uh, what they call survival for the fittest. Yes. And uh, that's how life became became a bit very complicated. And to know 
what suffering was. Yeah. Well, we'll get to yeah. your story in detail a little later on yeah. this, this morning, but you're mm-hmm. pastoring a church now um, in Uganda. What does church look like? Um, I mean, have you been to a, an Australian church for starters? Not really, because they just came in the other day first okay. time. Okay. But, so, so just describe, what is church like? Um, what happens? Uh, how long does it go? Church in Uganda is uh, very lively. We worship with very live uh, music. We worship with all our emotions. You see people jumping or on their knees and having the uh, fun, mm. but also opening up to, to the spirit. And uh, on Sunday, you hear what they call Sunday best. That's when people put on their best of the clothes uh, going to church. And the churches are well attended. Yeah. So, and they are longer. I, I, I know in the Western world, people uh, come in and come out. <laughs> but for us, uh, a service can be two hours or even three, wow. depending okay. on a church setup. Yeah. Is this your first time in Australia, Pastor, Pastor Solomon? Yes, it's my first time. What have you noticed so far? Um, winter. At, at the wrong time because for <laughs> us, I mean, it's always, uh, it's always, uh, I mean, the temperature is the same uh, between maybe 16 to 27, mm-hmm. 16 at night. That's so, still pretty warm overnight. Yeah, all year round. So for yeah. us, it's the same. And you've arrived and into, also, the, into the, the late uh, end of winter in Melbourne and it's been reasonably cold. So how are you going? <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. I mean, it's not as cold as I thought. So, I mean, yeah, I can't take this. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Now, we're going to do communion very soon and you get to lead us in communion. So I'd like for you to picture people all over Australia getting ready for communion right now, preparing their hearts uh, and that together we get to do this, even though we're not physically in the same room, we get to do this together. What what would you say is the best way for us as believers to just get our hearts ready to take communion? I, I would say Paul gave us a lot of instructions and ideas uh, on how to prepare. Uh, number one, uh, Paul advises us to look out uh, to check our walk with Christ. Because as believers, God has given us an opportunity to repent. I always say that salvation is for the non-believers because they're not born again. But again, repentance is for those that are walking with the Lord and they have missed the mark or something didn't go the way they expected. So the opportunity of saying, Lord, I come and I'm sorry. And we are human. We make lots of mistakes. So a spiritual checkup and repentance becomes number one. And then number two is to also think of the price that Jesus paid Mm. for the forgiveness of our own sin. Uh, Of course, that's what Holy Communion reminds us of the divine exchange where Jesus took the pain, he took the sins, he took the... The, the guilt, the shame that was supposed to be ours because we were the sinners and he was not. But then he exchanges and gives us his, his righteousness and his forgiveness. 
so we we repent and then we understand the divine exchange so that we know that it's not just the eating of bread as memory of, of his broken body and and the and the, and the wine but it's it's a, a spiritual exchange of the blessings of the forgiveness of the love that we were not having that God has given us free of charge mm. uh, through Christ. Worship, conversation, prayer and teaching. This is Sunday Morning Together on Vision Christian Radio. Now, my guest and co-host today is not with me physically in the studio here. He's in uh, one of our other studios uh, in Melbourne. Today, Pastor Solomon was Sergey, who was from Uganda, and he's in Australia uh, working with Feed the Hungry. Of course, we had Takeaway Hunger Day just a few days ago. But uh, right now, we get to be led in communion by Pastor Solomon. So it's over to you. Yeah, you know, uh, we get this from Scripture, and uh, Paul is the one that gave us the how-tos on how to do it. But the purpose is remembering the purpose for which Jesus died and rose from the dead. It's not just about the taking of bread and the and the wine or the juice, but it's about the memory. And memory is not in saying, oh, sorry, you went through all that pain, but the pain was ours. And one other thing that I want people to recognize is that um, the body that was broken also brings, I mean, Jesus took the pain on, on the cross so that our bodies can be put together. I believe in miracle healing. I believe in the power of God that can touch and, and, and put uh, broken things together. So his body was broken so that ours can be put together. His blood is a blood of the covenant and the covenant is between two people. And in, in, in Psalms 8 and 9, verse 34, he says his covenant, he will never break, nor change any word that has gone through his mouth. So if God has spoken, if God has promised, he takes his part of the bargain. So, but it, it, since a covenant is between two, and Holy Communion is a memory, a remembrance of the covenant that was made between us and Jesus, so we we also know our part that we must observe. And the Bible says in First Corinthians chapter eleven, uh, verses twenty-five, it says uh, this is about instructions on how to take the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion. He says, "For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks." He broke it and said, Take it, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, or same manner, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And many people have may think of memories, memorials, and pictures of events, but this takes us to the point where a covenant of our forgiveness, a covenant of restored relationship with God was done. And as we take this body or bread or juice, we remember the purpose for which 
Jesus gave his body. That is for the salvation of our souls, forgiveness of our sins, healing of our bodies, relationship restored between us and our God. And at this very moment, we can do it together. Uh, unless you are driving, we don't want to get accidents as you, but if you are at home, you can do it with your family. So, and uh, you can get your bread, and I'm going to uh, command or pray blessing, and then we'll eat together, but at the same time, prepare the juice, or there were, uh, the Bible talks of wine, uh, so that I, I bless each, and then we'll take together. So, with me, if you're ready, Jesus did the breaking, so you can break right now, and if you are in a family, you can do it together. Yes, I believe you are doing that. So let me pray. Father, as your body was broken as a covenant, and a covenant that brings back to us what the devil had taken away through Adam, and you being the last Adam, who also accepted to become the Lamb of God, whose sin, I mean, whose blood takes away the sins of the world, and whose body puts back together everything that was broken in us as they eat and take this bread. Let everything that was broken in them be put together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and eat the, the bread. Yes, and I'm giving you half a little minute to be able to take it. And now we can take the glass and as he also shared with his disciples you can go ahead and share as a family and then let me pray father your blood that was shed for the washing away of our sins and also the covenant which was established through your blood i pray as your people take this blood let it be a memory of the covenant that you made with us that we can still have forgiveness of our sins, a good relationship with God, peace with God. As your people take it, let it be well and let this memory be uh, for real that their sins are forgiven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and take uh, the wine or the, or the juice in Jesus' name, as a memory or a remembrance of what was done and finished on the cross of Calvary. Amen. Sunday morning together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. My guest and co-host today is the pastor of Good News Church in Beluga, Uganda. And he's in Australia at the moment and uh, right now in our Melbourne studios, Pastor Solomon Moisege. And uh, we're going to hear a little of his story right now. So I'm guessing you were born in Uganda, Pastor Solomon. Yes, I was born in Uganda in a town called Fort Porto. Fort Porto. In the western side of Uganda, yes. So for those who are perhaps a little geographically challenged, whereabouts in Africa is Uganda? Right on the equator. So once you follow that line of the equator in Africa. You go straight through it. You, yeah, but uh, we are in East Africa, uh, Kenya on the east, mm -hmm. Congo on the west, 
Sudan to the north, Tanzania and Rwanda to the south. To the south, yeah. And yeah. so right yeah, on the equator. The, right yes. on the equator, I imagine it's a pretty hot place. And for, I mean, fortunately not. We are, as I said, we, we are on a high altitude, so... Uh, our temperature, the hottest could be maybe 27, okay. 28, very hot for us. So, and at night it can drop to maybe 15, 16. Well, that sounds like a really nice uh, temperature range to me. Definitely. Now, what was your family situation um, that you were born into? I was born in a, a privileged family mm-hmm. uh, that most people... In the Western world, don't think that some Africans can be there. There are those two classes. There, there is the rich and the poor. It's only the middle class that is not there. Right. So my dad was uh, a farmer. We owned our own tea farms, and then he also worked for government uh, in in charge of agriculture in our area, mm-hmm. overseeing big tea farms. And uh, so he actually even did his education in Canada. So we were doing very well. So poverty, starvation, and all those things were not known to me at all. Mm. But you must have seen it as a child. Did it register with you that there are other people that are different to me? I, you'd think you'd think you'd notice, but I think um, most people would notice challenge when they find themselves there mm. <laughs> if if you if you're okay you'd think everybody is, is the same yeah. but uh, I, I i really didn't know much about starvation and how other people lived because my dad didn't allow us to mix so we would go okay. to school and then come back straight home very protected so i really did not have an idea of how other people lived or or suffered, mm. not until not until uh, my father and I didn't agree on in terms of Christianity. Um, we used to go to church, but in a just a cultural way. Right, we just go to church, but there is no really personal relationship with Christ or serious conviction about it. So a religion, so, a religious experience, but not a personal yes. experience or conviction about God. Exactly. Yeah. So the moment I, I made a deeper commitment, so my dad couldn't, couldn't take it, and then he kicked me out. So I was born out of wedlock. Then I went to live with my mom, who was married to a pastor. That is the first time I experienced poverty starvation and luck and my first experience was when they uh, put food on the table in those days we, for us we would sit down on a mat and then they bring a, a, a tray where all the kids would sit, sit in circles and you eat so I, I was eating in a relaxed rich mode where every kid had his own plate and you'd even have the luxury of not finishing and yes, they say having why did you take too much i mean eat all the food so here within two three minutes all the food was gone yeah hot food it was as if they had refrigerators in their in their mouth and i was not 
I was still starting to eat, still hungry, and the food was over. I thought they were they were going to bring more, and there was nothing. Huh. Do you remember how and you how you felt at that time? Yeah, that was the first time I understood that uh, there is a difference between hunger and the pain of hunger, which is starvation. Mm. Uh, so at night, I was uh, the, the the dinner. I was really practicing and preparing myself on how to eat faster because I realized that this was <laughs> this was not fun it was like survival for the fittest yes and I was not ready for for another night without food even sleeping a mat- there was there were no mattresses there was nothing so you it really was, had to kind of fight your way through to survive yes so that was the f- actually that hit me hard and uh, I almost thought of denouncing Christianity to go back home, but then I knew that that was not also right either. So I had to endure poverty and went through it. Mm. So I'm curious, Pastor Solomon, when you came home and you, you'd had this, let's say, conversion experience where you had come to a realization of your need for a saviour, for a relationship with God, to move past just being in that religious sort of space. And you told told us earlier that you had prayed a prayer, uh, grace at the dinner table, I'm guessing, that your father took exception to, to the point that he threw you out of the house. Can you talk to what what actually, what transpired in that that evening? And what was it that, that kept you, you know, in your convictions that, yes, I've done the right thing here? You know, I was at high school when the gospel was shared to me, and uh, going back home, uh, I was really on fire for Christ as a young, as a young uh, convert, and mm. uh, we had been having those fellowships that had built me up and uh, on fire to witness. What made matters worse between me and my dad was when I shared my faith with my sister. And my sister accepted Christ as a Lord and Savior. So that my dad said, we cannot have two men in one house. That's when he kicked me out. Right. And, uh, and, my, and, and then I had to walk 30 miles to go and be with my mom. My dad was that angry that he could not even allow me take anything or even transportation to take either bus or something I walked and then but I knew because I had read scripture um, about the beatitudes blessed are you when you're persecuted and all this so I knew that uh, uh, my life is safe in Christ and I knew that it's I mean there is life after here and I looked beyond, I, I looked beyond the suffering of today and looking at the rewards of eternity, not knowing that even God had a better plan for me uh, in preparation uh, of what he wanted me to do. And I would say, all things we go through, God will have a purpose. He may, he may, you may, he may, show you uh, of the end but he won't show you how you're going to get there in between is the is God's plan which he uses as a testimony 
or something that helps others to also who may be going through the same or have been challenged the same way yeah. to know that they can have their faith in God. Well, that's really where the faith is, isn't it? In that space in the middle where we don't quite know. You know and, and if God actually showed us all, he'd probably <laughs> scare us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we would not go there. Yeah. yeah. So take us back to the point where at school someone shared the gospel with you. How did they do it? How did that happen? Actually. Was uh, a piano, and that was my first time seeing a piano. And uh, when I had the music come out of that thing, I I, I joined right away. I actually asked to join that group, and they said, "No, you're very, very much welcome." Then that's when they opened scripture. And uh, yes, I used to go to church, but no scripture was read. Right, you know, some, you know, so. And sometimes we'd even sit outside church, but just go to church. We had not really. So I liked the stories of the Bible. I liked what Jesus did. And then uh, my eyes opened and you could feel like it was as real as as they were saying it. And I quickly prayed the prayer of inviting Jesus in my heart. And then we had evening fellowships where they would... uh, teach, uh, you know, there was a, a group called Campus Crusade for Christ, mm-hmm. and uh, so they, they, they started teaching us how, how to know you are a believer, and how to know you are, you, Christ is in you, and then and then how to share your faith. You know, you do, you've received it, you don't keep it to yourself, and uh, actually it is mainly the sharing of my faith that put me in trouble with my dad. <laughs> yes. You've got Phil Edwards here, and my guest and co-host today is uh, an African pastor, Pastor Solomon from Uganda. Uh, he's the pastor of the Good News Church in Beluga, and he's in Australia at the moment with Feed the Hungry. Now, you're working with Feed the Hungry at the moment, and uh, talking of hunger, something that you knew when you'd been kicked out of home and you found yourself in a position where it was all in. If you wanted to eat, you had to be quick and uh, almost you know, fight everybody else off to get some food. What happened after that, though? Because you've obviously moved on from from that place. Yeah, I I got a training there with uh, uh, starting with a youth ministry. I really got involved because having been persecuted, and remember, we had just come from the days of Idi Amin in Uganda, a dictator that had closed churches, mm. and uh, if you're to be Christian in Uganda, you are either supposed to be either a Catholic or an Anglican. Any other, not allowed. So when freedom of worship was coming in, I, I really felt like uh, I should really be a voice in preaching the gospel. And uh, the sacrifice, uh, what I had given up on, that was my education. My mom could not take me, continue taking me through my education um then the suffering alone motivated me to preach the gospel so and and the persecution because i realized that people don't know christ mm. so i would say western uganda the bigger part of western uganda the revival there has come through my ministry most of the churches started in their hundreds until now where I am uh, with the Good News Ministries uh, in Bulenga, in Kampala, uh, where we have a big ministry and so many other 
churches that are all over the nation of Uganda. So the whole thing started from that persecution, which became a motivation for me to preach. It's amazing the role that persecution can play in sparking revival. We don't necessarily like it. And I don't think in Australia we really have seen persecution at all. I think we've seen some uh, unfriendly behaviour perhaps towards uh, Christianity, but but certainly nothing along the lines of what uh, Uganda had seen under Idi Amin. Just explain and, get, and paint a picture of what that revival has been like. What What has happened? I would say the church in Uganda has spread like a fire. We churches are open seven days a week. Mm. Our church is open seven days a week. If you came to Uganda every Friday night, you'd hear all churches full, people on their knees praying and worshiping until morning. And uh, and this is everywhere. So the gospel has impacted. We even have what we call lunch hour meetings. Instead of people going for lunch, they will go to church for a, mm. a, a spiritual meal. Mm. We call them lunch hour services. They are all over on, on, on radio, on television, on, on the streets, everywhere. You find, even in parliament, the Christian believers will have their session of prayer during lunch hour. So the revival has actually spread from Uganda, touching many uh, uh, countries. Uh, we, we have so many Ugandan missionaries all over the world uh, from that revival, which is actually ongoing right now. Mm, that's amazing. Yes. What would you say to the average Australian Christian then who is desperately praying and seeking God for a revival? I would say revival begins within you. It's not far or where people will wait for a big event. It all began with our conviction to share our faith. And uh, But you see, persecution is, is the fuel. There has to be something that pushes you. Mm. Um, if you are in a comfort zone, it becomes so hard for people... Uh, you realize that if there is need, you pray more than when you are blessed and everything is working okay. So there has to be that hunger on a personal level. And then uh, Jesus, his his last words were go. Not, but all of us are, are calling people in. Oh, you know, our church is the best. You look at this, you know, we have fancy chairs, lights, and all this, which are all good. We all use those things, but Jesus told us to go. Well, that's the commission which has become a great omission now. Yeah. So if people uh, took that responsibility of talking to somebody without fear of rejection or somebody saying, oh, this religious thing and all that, you know, th th there will be some kind of resistance here and there. But the moment you start, Jesus promised to be with uh, with us. So, and, and, and when you see, uh, when he gave the Great Commission, Mark, Mark 16 from verse 15 downwards, when they went, the Bible says he went with them, confirming confirming what they spoke uh, 
with signs, miracle signs and wonders. So when we accept to take the challenge of taking the Great Commission, he goes with us. Mm. When we speak, he confirms. So that's where you start seeing a revival. But we will not lock ourselves in a room and wait until God goes to bring them somehow. He is not the one going. He told us to go. Mm. Good advice. Sunday morning together on Vision Christian Radio. And Phil's my name. And my guest and co-host this morning is uh, a pastor. That's what we normally have. But he's a pastor from a far-flung place, Africa, Uganda, to be specific. Pastor Solomon uh, is pastoring a church there called Good News Church. But he's also working very closely with Feed the Hungry. And he's been doing that for 20 years or so now, overseeing a pretty big feeding program there of, uh, of one or two children every day. How many children do you feed every day, Pastor Solomon? Uh, we feed over 70,000 every day. Wow, over 70,000 every day. Exactly, over 70,000. That is incredible. And uh, are they all in the one place or is this uh, across a number of areas? No, it's uh, all over the country, but majorly um, refugee camps, which we call settlements in Uganda. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is called Rwamwanja. In Western Uganda, which uh, accommodates people from the Congo, uh, DRC, mm-hmm. we have an in that refugee settlement are schools. So we uh, we go to schools where uh, we feed children that would easily die of hunger, but we also motivate them to come and get an education to have a purpose of their future. In that same refugee settlement, the president, the current president of Rwanda was a refugee there. Mm. And then we also feed refugees in another uh, settlement called Kiriandongo uh, on the northern side uh, where we have people coming from South Sudan uh, because of war and also Congo, war. So all those uh, we specifically feed the children. Then we have also undertaken a new project of a place called Karamoja in North Uganda, which where people are actually dying because of hunger, where you find somebody collapsing or or, or trembling because he has not eaten. Uh, I was there last week that we they gave food to one lady and she could not even hold it because she was too hungry mm. to eat something. So those are the type of people we are we are feeding. So these children, when they arrive from war-torn places, what, what happens when they arrive? Normally when they arrive, they will put them on what they call the reception, and, uh, and then the government will give them a little space and give them some sticks to put up their own uh, something that like a shelter, mm-hmm. and then they give them uh, those uh, the, those covers, and you'll find some children that came with nobody, no parents, because you know in war everybody runs his way. Either parents have been killed, and uh, then you may find about maybe ten kids put together, and then the older one becomes the head of that little household. Of the, of kid refugees, so those are the ones that we 
take care of. Mm. I can imagine it's a very distressing and stressful place, but there is hope in amongst that because I heard you say before that one of the former uh, children who've come through this program is now the president of Rwanda. Exactly. Uh, uh, Paul Kagame was in Uganda as a, as a refugee. But you see, the first time I went to see that, uh, I had just seen pictures on, on, on television and I thought that maybe they were lying or it's over-exaggerated. And then I found in a big tent where men, women, children were all put together, uh, no privacy, no nothing. And then food, they were getting one meal a day uh, before they were given a little, little space where they're going to put their own little shack where they're going to stay. When I looked at that, I was moved and I said, I have to do something. Mm. And remember, I also didn't have much, and Feed the Hungry had never done anything in Uganda to that level because they used to provide food to my school. I, 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 I have two Christian schools, so they were providing, but I wanted to extend uh, and see. And uh, by faith, I just said I will do something, uh, trusting God to put resources into my hands, that is when I asked Feed the Hungry and shared the story. And they said, we will help. And also the question was, how many? I thought they were going to allow me to feed one of the schools uh, in there where those kids were. And then the settlement or the camp commandant or the leader said, we won't allow you. Because if you feed one school, that means children will run from all other schools to come and get food in this school. Yeah. Remember, no food is provided. You they all, all they do is give education. So then I said, how many is all if I'm going to feed everybody? And they said by then it was about 17,000. And they said I don't think I can do that. But when I I shared with Feed the Hungry, they said, let's see what we can do. And then the answer was we'll talk to our partners. And then a month later, they said, let's do it. Hmm. No, uh, no, no point in doing things by halves by the sound of that. And, and what I hear there in what you're saying is when God moves you toward doing something in his name, even if it's big and scary, the number might be big, still believe, still have faith because God is with us on, on these kinds of journeys. That. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us uh, today, Pastor Solomon. Really, I'm encouraged uh, and encouraged also to continue to pray for what you're doing there and continue to support the work of Feed the Hungry and other people. There's lots of people doing ministry where there's just so much need there in Uganda. Thank you for the opportunity. Now, very shortly, you get the opportunity to encourage us uh, with the best five-minute sermon we'll hear today. What, What are you going to be speaking about? I will talk about our purpose of being blessed. Sunday morning together on Vision Christian Radio. This may be a challenge because we're talking about an African preacher here and um, they're known probably not for brevity, I would suggest. But uh, I don't know if he's up for the challenge here or not. Pastor Solomon Wasegi from uh, Uganda. Are you ready for this? Oh, yes, I am. Okay. All right. Well, it's over to you. 
Well, uh, we want to talk about the purpose of the, of, ble- of being blessed or the purpose of blessing. And uh, we will see that there are secrets of why God blesses people. And, uh, and you know people are not at the same level. There are those that God has blessed and there is a reason and a purpose why God does that. We will go and uh, in the book of Genesis where the, everything begins in the in chapter 12. I will read verses 1 and 2 where God gives a promise to Abraham. And the Bible says, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing or you shall be a blessing so we see god moving or giving a promise to abram and also moving him from his comfort zone the family and uh, the, from the known the the, the 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 culture the tradition and all of us as humans different cultures different nations have ways of doing things and the way we understand things but god had to move him out of there so as to understand and to fulfill his purpose but verse number two is very important he says i will make you a great nation so the obedience of abram was gonna make him a great nation so an individual can become a nation somewhere and he says i will also bless you and the word blessing means empowered to prosper empowered to succeed he says i will put that power on you to succeed and i will make your name great so there are people that have great names there are people that have bad names but there are people that have great names and he says you shall be a blessing and this is the purpose god is bringing him Uh, from his people god is uh, empowering him god is giving him all these promises but he says after i have made your name great after i have blessed you you will become a blessing a blessing is when you extend your hand the hand can be stretched in in two ways you can stretch your hand in asking to receive but you can also stretch the the same hand as as you give so in being a blessing you stretch your hand and release to somebody else. And I can tell you, if God has blessed you, then the purpose of being blessed is to also bless others. When we look at uh, also another scripture, which we find in the book of Job, uh, chapters uh, 11, no, chapter 29, verses 12 and 13, the Bible says, Job is rescued out of his problems and all of us have read the book of job he says the reason why god took him out he says because i rescued the poor who cried for help that's verse number 12 and the fatherless and who had none to assist them and then one who was dying uh, i blessed that one and i made the widow's heart to to sing so job with all his trouble, when things were bad, he reminded God, he said, when the, 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 the poor came to me, I rescued, I, I helped the poor, I helped the orphans. I even made the widow 
to sing and job, and god stretched his hand and put job out of of trouble i'm not saying you are in trouble but i can say that we 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 buy insurance we do all these things to make sure we are safe but spiritually when we give to the poor when god blesses us and we can release to others then god will surely stretch his hand and bless us and father i pray that you touch your people use your people be a protection be a hedge of protection around your people and the blessings you have given we thank you lord that you blessed australia and, and your people amen sunday morning together on vision christian radio i just wonder uh, pastor solomon as you know you've come from uh, an african scenario when you're you're working with people who are you know, in poverty, kids in particular that that are struggling for a meal. I think most Australians really—that's a foreign concept. They wouldn't really understand what that is. As you've come here and you see, there's a lot of prosperity in Australia. How do you feel about that? And is that something we should feel guilty about? Do you think? Oh no, you should thank God for the blessing because God—it's—it's it's God that blesses. He He gives and He gives in a, in abundance. So it's good to enjoy the blessings, but all, the only challenge is accepting to also share and be a blessing to others. Mm. So the challenge would be when God blesses you, and you don't think about anybody else. But I, and, and I will also say that you may you may not solve all the problems. Don't feel like it's too much. So I I, I will do nothing. You can just do the little that you can, but do something and enjoy the blessings. So don't feel bad about being blessed. Don't feel guilty about it. Enjoy it, but extend a, a hand uh, to somebody else that is in need. Mm. Blessing's an interesting idea when you think about, you know, we could think of ourselves as a cup or a bucket where it just goes in. But if we think of ourselves more as a river that allows the blessing to flow through and to the other side, it actually does something for us far more incredible than if we're just keeping it all to ourselves. Would you agree with that? I, I agree. I agree. You also feel more fulfillment when you see somebody else uh, rejoicing or testifying or or surviving simply because you extended a hand. Mm. More blessed to give than, than it is to receive. Yes. This is Sunday Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. And we're almost at the end of our time together on this Sunday morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. And uh, thank you so much, Pastor Solomon, for uh, for joining us, spending us, uh, some time with us this morning. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much. A lot of differences between Australia and Uganda. So I wonder if that might frame your perspective in what I'm about to ask you to do, and that is to lead us in a prayer for our nation of Australia. Would you be happy to do that? Yeah, definitely. Why not? I would love to. All right. Well, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Uh, we thank you for your goodness and your greatness that you have put on the nation of Australia. I thank you for the people. I thank you for the opportunity, opportunities that you have given unto the people of Australia. I pray for divine protection uh, sec- good security and uh, all these disasters that we sometimes see on television, fires and other things. May you stretch your hand and be there to protect the people 
and the nation of Australia. And I pray that you use this nation that you have blessed so much to make impact, especially spiritual impact, and to the nations, especially into the taking of the gospel all over the world and also helping humanity. You have blessed them, and I pray that you continue blessing them and increasing them. But may you take a few others out of their comfort zones to do mission trips, to go out and and, 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 and take out the voice, the voice of the kingdom. Let the nation of Australia take a lead into the furthering of the gospel beyond their borders, both within and beyond. And I cover them and their precious blood, and I pray that your protection is all over. Let there be safety. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Mm. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for leading us uh, in that prayer. And may God bless you in all that you put your hand to uh, in your work with Feed the Hungry and also with your church and churches. Uh, throughout Uganda, it just sounds like you know, there's some amazing things that God is doing uh, in and through you as you uh, you work there. So God bless you. Thank you so much. And if you ever find yourself in Uganda, I'm, I'm sure you'd be very welcome at uh, Pastor Solomon's church. It's called Good News Church in Beluga uh, in Uganda. Just go search for that online. I'm sure you'll find uh, find their website. Uh, and uh, And please do support the work of Feed the Hungry. Uh, he, as you mentioned before, seventy thousand children every day are currently being fed through their programs, which is just a staggering number, isn't it? So we we'll just look for feed the hungry and uh, please do support them. Well, that's it t- today. Time has gone. Thank you so much. I'll catch you again uh, for more Sunday morning together next week right here on Vision Christian Radio. Have a great day. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.